Hey Nick, what concert costs just 45 cents? I don't know, Sin. What concert costs just 45 cents? 50 Cent featuring Nickelback. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. <laughs> Hi, Cinder. Hey, boss. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I can't complain. Sitting here t- t- talking to you and some awesome people in, on, you know, in chat. Can't complain. Doing great. Awesome. And today we're going to talk about the Divine Dragon. We sure are. Oh, um, Divine is misspelled in the title. D-I-V-I-N-E. No, this is how it's spelled from now on. I like it better this way. Guys, you heard it. We've made history. We've changed the spelling of the word Divine. <laughs> That's how things work here in Dignity City. Yes, ma'am. Tell me about the Divine Dragon. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, the D- Divine Dragon is at the root of, of course, Wolf's immortality and Kuro's blessing slash curse. And it's at the root of the rejuvenating waters and the Divine Child of the rejuvenating waters and the red-eyed people and all of that stuff. According to the lore in the game, long, long, long ago, the Divine Dragon came from the West and took root in the Fountainhead region. Where there were, you know, where the water was abundant enough for it to take root, and from that came the Okami people, which are the crazy blue women that you fight in the Fountainhead region. Um, I say crazy because they're as they're fighting you, they're like, wah, wah, you know, they're just yelling like crazy. <laughs> you know, they're all yelling and jumping around and tossing lightning at you and all this other crazy stuff. Um, so yeah, the uh, now when it says that the divine dragon came from the west, I don't believe that this giant one-armed reptile came from the West. Oh, it probably had both of its arms at the time. Um, I don't, I, I believe, because I think that the uh, Divine Dragon, like Smotown, I very much agree with Smotown on this. Uh, the uh, Divine Dragon is a spiritual being. It, it, but its physical avatar in, on, in the earthly plane is the Everblossom tree, you know, the, the giant Sakura tree. Um, so I think that's what came over. I think the West is not literally the West. I think the West is the Divine Realm uh, hold on, let me find the notes I have on it. Uh, because it's actually kind of interesting. Everything in this game is traceable to Buddhism in some way or another, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, when it says from the West, uh, I don't think it means some physical place west of Japan. It's 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 talking about the Western pure lands of Buddhism, uh, which would be called Gokuraku, which is translated to ultimate bliss. It's something that you can you can attain in Buddhism if you follow the... Four noble truths and the eightfold path. Uh, and I don't know how much you want to, how much depth you want to go into in that, but the the second truth um, has, I think, is is at the philosophical core of the game. Uh, it, Buddhism kind of is a is a pragmatic. I'm not, I'm not Buddhist myself, but it's pragmatic in that it kind of revolves around the fact that the world kind of sucks. There's all this suffering in the world, and we're trying to transcend it. You know, um, the first truth is suffering exists, and the second truth is suffering has a cause. And basically, the, the cause of all suffering is desire and ignorance. Like, people crave pleasure, they crave material goods, and very relevant to Sekiro, they crave immortality. And all three of these can never, ever be satisfied, right? And so people in their ignorance, as they pursue these things, especially immortality in Sekiro, it 
leads to envy, hatred, anger, and corruption. And of course, at the heart of Sekiro is this notion that the pursuit of immortality leads to corruption and stagnation, right? Mm -hmm. Which leads to the dark side. Which leads to the dark side, exactly. Where where we have cookies. (laughs) Very well done. So yeah, you know, so a lot of the philosophy of Sekiro is bound up in the second truth of of Buddhism. So if you follow the four truths, and then the four truth is that the key to ending suffering is following the eightfold path, you know, right communication, right thought, right whatever. Um, If you do all this, then you can attain Gokuraku, which is sort of the, you can get to the Western Pure Lands, the ultimate bliss. Um, And so that's what I think the West, basically, if, if you translate it into Sekiro terms, the West is the divine realm. And the divine realm is sort of the equivalent of this Gokuraku ultimate bliss Western Pure Land. So when the game says West, it means the divine realm. You know, it's it's not uh, literally China. You know, because when you when you go to fight the divine dragon in the divine realm, the wolf's like, "Holy crap, I'm in the divine realm." He's he's he, he doesn't say, "Holy crap, I'm in China," <laughs> <laughs> or "I'm in Europe." Holy crap, I'm in the divine realm. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. right. They're talking about the divine realm when they say the West. And so the Everblossom, the physical representation of the divine dragon, came from the West. And because in ancient times, the lands of Ashina were, were abundant, at least that portion of Ashina where Fountainhead is, had abundant water, the tree was able to take root. Mm-hmm. And that gave rise to the Okami civilization. Um, so that, that, that's where, as far as that, that's as far back in the lore as we know the divine dragon to have done anything, is that the fact that it came from the divine realm. So it took root in Ashina and gave rise to the Okami civilization. These crazy warrior women mm-hmm. who throw lightning and scream. And then at some point, uh, we come across Takeru. And of course, to talk about the Divine Dragon, we'd have to talk about Takeru and Tomoe and Kuro. And the DLC that will not be. How gosh, I wish it would. Yeah. Uh, I really do wish it would. Because I, I would see the DLC picking up after the return ending as Wolf accompanies the Divine Child on the way to the Divine Realm. You know, yeah. killing stuff to protect her and Kuro. Um, but yeah, no, I, wishful thinking. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it'll happen. I'm holding. I'm still holding out for Bloodborne Two, so I'm still holding out for a Sekiro yeah. DLC. Bloodborne Two has to happen for PS Five, please. That, that's what I'm thinking. We're not going to see it till PS Five. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it'll happen, even if it's just like a prequel. Like they could go back to like Lauren and track what happened in Lauren when when Koss was born. You know, as a as a great one. Mm-hmm. I'll let Richard. I'll let Richard talk about that though. That's his thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, um, at some point, well, well, let me just, t- just talk about the divine air a little bit. I think we might have talked about this before. But um, if you translate what, what's translated as divine air, uh, if you look at the Japanese, it's like son of God or son of a god. So in some sense, the divine air is descended from the dragon. Like it's a part of the dragon. It has it has the dragon's blood in it, and. Smoketown had an interesting insight about that, an interesting observation. Everywhere you see, like, you know, the dragon's blood droplet looks like a leaf from a sakura tree, a cherry blossom, also translated ever blossom, right? Yeah. So, like, in the purification ending, when you cut your head off, you see those cherry blossom petals. Those are the blood of the, the blood of the dragon. The blood of the dragon is not crimson liquid. It's those little leaves. You oh, know? That's a good observation. Yeah, yeah, I have to credit Smoketown for that. He made that wonderful observation. I'm like, holy crap, he's got a point, right? Um, so yeah, those, th- those petals are the blood of the dragon. Um, so the divine heir and by extension, the oath bound, i.e. wolf in this case has the actual blood of the dragon inside them and therefore they're immortal. 
Mm-hmm. You know, because the because the 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 item description of I think the dragon's tear says that it, it the dragon's body is eternal. So anything with the dragon's blood inside is going to be you know sort of everlasting in in a sense, unless it comes across the mortal blade, which is kind of an exception to the rule, I guess. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's another matter. Uh, so yeah, so the the dragon's heir is actually somehow came forth from or descended from or was begotten of you know the divine dragon. Um. Hmm. And the the earliest divine heir we know of is Takeru. There could have been others, you know, before that. But the earliest we know is Takeru. At some point, Takeru and Takomi descended from the divine realm and somehow wound up in Ashina. And apparently they couldn't get back. Somehow, because you know, they, they, they tried in vain, if, if you read the, the various journals that you find, they at some point, when Takeru decided he wanted to do immortal severance, they tried in vain to get back to the divine realm, but they couldn't, you know. At one point, Tomoe gives up hope. She's like, oh, we're never going to get back to the Divine Realm, and now Takeru's coming down with a sickness. And, and, you know, they're immortal, but not really. Um, I'll explain that in a bit. Because when you fight the Divine Dragon, you see that Rot has overtaken it. I think that can happen to the Divine Heir. There's a theory. It wasn't Smoketown. It was somebody else, but I agree with it. Like, There's a theory about that, but we'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. So Takeru and Takomi come from the Divine Realm. I think it would have to be after, well after the Divine Dragon came and took root in the form of the Everblossom. Oh, oh, shoot, shoot. Speaking of, some some interesting Japanese mythology behind that. Yeah. Um, the Japanese have these spirits called uh, Kodama, and they live in trees. They're the spirits inside the trees. And so the, the, the divine dragon is the spirit inside the Everblossom tree. Oh, that and is so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and interestingly, if you injure or cut the bark off of these... Uh, off of these trees that have the Kodama in them, you invite misfortune. Oh, no. You invite corruption. And, you know, um, of course, so Takeru plucked off a piece of the Everblossom and took it with him to Ashina. And it's after that point you start to see the dragon rot. It's after that point you start to see all the corruption. Um, before then, as far as you can tell, there was no dragon rot. There was no corruption. Mm-hmm. So it's once it's once Takeru broke off a piece of the Everblossom and took it with him to Ashina. It's it's it, the reason I say that it had to be well after the Divine Dragon came was because uh, Takeru and Takomi actually lived on the Ashina estate with Genichiro with Ishin, right? So it's you know within their lifetimes, but the Divine Dragon came in ancient times, you know, long ago. Now it could be that cause since they were immortal, it could be that they came with him, and hung around in Fountainhead and then only later broke off the branch and came to Ashina. So I guess it could be that they came from the divine realm with the dragon and then made their way over to Ashina eons later, you know, it could be, uh, but either way, however they got here, they got here. And then they, when they decided to go off to Ashina, Takeru broke off a piece of the Everblossom, took it with him. And that was probably the, that was probably what set everything in motion, you know, as far as the corruption and the dragon rot. Um, because the divine child says that you know the dragon's heritage was not meant for this world to begin with, uh, but I, I'm not sure that the simple fact of the ever blossom being here and the divine heritage being here. Oh, you know what? Okay, no, no, no. Okay, let me back up. So in ancient times, the divine dragon comes, takes root in Fountainhead. Maybe Takeru and Takomi come with it. Everything's fine. But then at some point, Takeru gets it in his head to break off a piece of the Everblossom and go to Japan. Later on, you talk to the Divine Child after you give her the uh, holy chapter Dragon's Return. She says that the dragon's heritage broke free from its homeland and found its way to Japan. 
So, yeah, I'm thinking that, that, that in some sense, that's a reference to the Divine Dragon coming here in the form of the Everblossom. But it may... Because it's like a lot of times in when you, when you speak in parables and when you speak in stories and metaphors, a lot of times stuff will have a, a dual meaning. So I think it may refer to right. the Divine Dragon coming here, but more than that, it may refer to Takeru breaking off a piece of the branch and leaving the Fountainhead region, which is sort of, in some sense, an offshoot of the Divine Realm, and coming to Ashina, you know? Yeah. So I'm thinking that, because I think that's where all the trouble started, because it's after that you see the dragon rot, you see all these things. So she says, it wasn't meant for this land. The, the power of the dragon's heritage wasn't meant for this land. So as long as it's there, away from the Everblossom, away from the Okami people, it's going to cause corruption, because it's just, it's incompatible with our mortal plane. It's incompatible with anything beyond the divine dragon and its offshoots and its descendants, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so is that, any of that makes sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Let me ask, does uh, the chat have any questions for Nick so far that are relevant to what has been said? Yeah, I hope that was easy because I'm sort of, I'm looking at my notes and also sort of speaking extemporaneously at the same time. Speaking what? Extemporaneously. Can you spell that? E- I'll type it in chat. There you go. Oh my god, that's a long word. It is, it is. Well, I, I'm a writer, so I know lots of words. <laughs> but yeah, so that's sort of the beginning. Um, so yeah, all the, the, yeah they all, it, it draws richly from all sorts of cool Japanese mythology. It really does. Um, but yeah, and... So yeah, and so the Divine Dragon sort of gives root to all that. And the, the Divine Dragon has a pretty direct connection to the rejuvenating waters. You know, because... The rejuvenating the, the corrupt Buddhist the, the corrupt Buddhist monks in Senpao Temple took the rejuvenating waters and condensed it down into the rejuvenating set, sediment, which is what Genichiro uses to kind of survive when you kill him in the second boss fight up at the top of the castle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the rejuvenating waters, I'm pretty sure, originate at Fountainhead. You know, you look everywhere, you see all the all this water flowing down the hills and down the mountains, and when you walk up when you walk up the hill to pray at the shrine and go to the divine realm this water is flowing down the steps and into the basin and from there to the rest of Fountainhead. That there is the rejuvenating waters. The monks somehow got a hold of that and condensed it down to the rejuvenating sediment. You know, so the, the rejuvenating water springs from the Everblossom, springs from the Divine Dragon. So there's, there's, a, there's a connection between the Divine Dragon and almost literally everything else in the game because it's the source of all this, yeah, the immortality and all the corruption. But now, Takeru may not have known what he was doing, that he was setting all this bad stuff in motion when he plucked off a piece of the Everblossom, because it says that uh, the aromatic branch description says that Takeru took it because it reminded him of home, reminded him of home. So he he probably didn't think he was doing anything bad. He just took it for the sentimental value. You know, it reminded him of his progenitor, the Divine Dragon, and reminded him of home. You know, so he just brought it with him to Ashina. Um, Why they came to Ashina, I don't know. A dialogue with Ishin hints that there might have been a love affair between Tomoe and him at some point. Uh, something happened between the two that almost killed Ishin. I'm not sure what it was. The game doesn't really explain what it was. It could have been anything. But the fact that Tomoe was a guest in the Ashini estate for a long time, along with Takeru, you know, indicates that they weren't antagonistic to each other, you know, for the most part. Or Ishin wouldn't have allowed them to stay on the estate, right? Because <laughs> he was the head honcho, mm-hmm. you know. So they stayed there at his, at his sufferance. So, you know, they couldn't have been antagonistic to each other. So they might, it's, it sort of hints that there might have been some sort of love affair between them that almost led to Ishin's death. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that, okay, so we're going to come back now from the ancient times to the more modern times. The first time we see Dragon Rot was within Emma's lifetime. 
because Emma talks about it and how her mentor slash adoptive father Dogen tried to find a cure for it. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it could very well coincide with the uh, with Ishin's coup. Because, you know, the, the Ashina people established themselves. And at one point in time, the Ashina people had war with the Okami women. And they used the Sabimaru against the Okami women. And for that reason, it's venerated as a national treasure. And we'll talk about that when we do the podcast on the, the prosthetic tools. But the the Sabimaru oh, yeah. has that root war. Yeah. <laughs> so there were prosthetics of Sekiro. Right? That's right. That's right. But yeah, so the, the Ashina people use the Sabimaru to fight off the Okami women and kind of keep them in Fountainhead, I guess, and not or to drive them from that region so that Ashina could set up their home there. Then later on, they were subjugated by the Interior Ministry, the Central Forces, and then Ishin, about 20 years before the events of the game, leads a coup to take back the land from the Central Ministry and Interior Forces. And it was around that time that we start we see Dragonrot for the first time. And that leads me to believe that Takeru and Tomoe were using their immortal powers to aid Ishin in his coup. Because uh, they, could, they could die and be reborn over and over again. Um, and of course, as Emma explains to us, the cause of the dragon rot is the dying and the being reborn and the dying and the being reborn. It, it's sapping the life force from other people in order to allow the oath bound of the dragon of the dragon's heir to keep coming back to life, right? We're literally sapping the life force from other people. <laughs> um, and so that's the first time we see the dragon rot. The Dogen desperately tried to find a cure for it, but he couldn't. And then later on, when... Genichiro tries to make use of the dragon's heritage in the coming battle against the interior ministry. Ishin wants us to stop it. And the reason for that is, I think, is because he doesn't want the dragon rot to spread again. Because he saw the people died from it. You know, he doesn't want to afflict his people with that again. He's like, okay, it's over with. We contained it once. We don't want it spreading again. Uh, so I think that's why Ishin wants to stop Genichiro. Of course, Wolf dying and coming back is is contributing to it. You know? Right. But maybe... I'm not sure if Ishin realized that Wolf was... Uh, the oath bound or not? I think he probably did. He almost certainly did, because Ishin kind of knew everything. You, you, you didn't get you didn't get anything past Ishin, you know. That's true. Ishin was well aware of what was happening, but and two, I guess he didn't want Genichiro to be corrupted by the rejuvenating waters either. It was too late, but he didn't want to introduce the corruption of the rejuvenating waters to his people either, you know, because you've seen what it does. It, it makes you red eyed. It turns into this sort of half human, half demonic thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ishin didn't want his grandson or his people to be corrupted by that either. So for multiple reasons, Ishin wants us to, you know, stop Genichiro, which we do. Well, sort of. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In every ending but the Shura ending, we do stop him. Which uh, the Shura ending is different because it, it's hard to tell what happens to Genichiro in the Shura ending because we don't see him after the second boss fight. But Ishin has the, the Black Mortal Blade and Genichiro doesn't. So anyway, it's weird. I'm not sure exactly what happens there, but it's not directly relevant to the Divine Dragon. Mm-hmm. So yes, we, so now we've gotten to modern times and Takeru and Tomoe. Now, I, I think there has to be some sort of blood relationship between Takeru and Kuro. Because, like I said, the Japanese translates the, the, the dragon's heir as the son of, son of God, son of a god, some sort of descendant who proceeded out of the Divine Dragon. And so the, to me, that indicates a lineal line of descent. So I'm thinking there has to be some sort of family relationship between... Kuro and Takeru. Now, it's interesting that Kuro never knew this. And by all indications, Kuro grew up with a human family. You know, when at the beginning of the game, when we first fight Genichiro in that tutorial boss fight, well, not tutorial, but in that, you know, that big boss fight, uh, Genichiro remarks that 
the last time he and Kuro had stood together was at Kuro's uncle's funeral. And I'm sure Kuro's uncle was not an Okami, right? I'm sure Kuro's <laughs> uncle was a human, you know? Um, I'm thinking that at some point, maybe Takeru had a love affair with a human woman or something. Somehow the dragon's blood got from Takeru to Kuro. And, you know, a sexual relationship giving rise to a paternal relationship would make sense, you know? Um, and the re- and my initial th- I initially thought that maybe Takeru and Takomi had relations and gave birth to Kuro, but Kuro's human, you by every indication. And you would think that it would be an Okami child if the two of them had relations, you know, because they're both, because Tomoe was Okami by every indication. Because um, if you read the way Ishin talks about her and the fact that she introduced the lightning and the Okami warriors use lightning, um, and Genichiro fights like an Okami warrior, and it says that Tomoe was Genichi- Genichiro's mentor in swordsmanship, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, every indication is that Tomoe was an Okami, and you know, presumably Takeru might have been too, because they they came directly from the divine realm. So there's no indication they would be human. So you think that the two of them having a child, it would be an Okami, and Takeru, clearly Kuro is not an Okami. So maybe Takeru had an affair with a human woman, or maybe there's some other process that we're not aware of. But there's a direct connection there between uh, Kuro and Takeru. Yeah, something sketch is going on there. Yeah, it's sketchy. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, so we, we get to Kuro, and Kuro is the latest divine heir, and he's got the dragon's blood. He gives it to Wolf. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there come a lot of the, the problems and the, the corruption in the game that we see. Now, if we fast forward past all that to the boss fight with the divine dragon itself, uh, it's very interesting. We don't fight the divine dragon right away. We fight these old dragons of the tree. And then the brown ones are really healthy. And they're a lot more vigorous. The gray ones are the ones we have to kill. And those are the ones that are coughing up poison. Coughing and hacking poison. They'll, they'll actually inflict you with the... Uh, or afflict you with the poison status debuff. If, you know, you, you stay too close to them. And so, clearly, some sort of rot has set in to the Divine Dragon. Um, it's missing its left arm, which I think has to do with when Takeru you know, broke off a piece of the branch and took it with I know that the, the item description to the aromatic branch says Al took it. Al plucked it. That may be a translation thing, or it may be that Al only got a piece of the branch that Takeru plucked off. Uh-huh. Um, the game is also clear that Takeru took a piece of the Everblossom with him. And so the Divine Dragon be- missing its left arm maybe because Takeru or Al, you know, broke off a piece of the... That's the prevailing theory, really, is that the piece was broken off, and so that represents the dragon's left arm. Yeah, that would make sense, uh, actually. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, the Everblossom is the divine dragon's avatar in the physical world, and there's a link between the two. So if there's injury to the Everblossom in the material plane, it could be injury to the divine dragon in the spiritual plane, you know, where the d- divine realm is. Um, and just as rot and corruption are setting in in the real world, because the divine dragon's heritage was never meant to be there, the divine dragon itself is consumed by rotten corruption. So again, the, 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 there's a parallel there. They're linked, you know. What happens here also happens there, only it manifests differently, you know. Mm-hmm. So just as rotten corruption are spreading here, rotten corruption are spreading in the divine realm, at least as far as the divine dragon itself is concerned. When we destroy the old dragons of the tree that are full of rotten corruption, that sort of purges it from the dragon and, and you see a much healthier more robust version of the dragon emerge from the the rotted tree of course now it, it's injured you know it, it's got this big gash down its chest it's missing its left arm 
you know, clearly it's suffered some kind of injury, again, probably corresponding to things that have taken place to the Everblossom in the, in the physical realm, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we're bullies. We go ahead and we, we beat it into, into submission, cut underneath its eye and take its tear. I felt very like, yeah, we are bullies. We break into its like basically habitat, beat up its guardians or whatever, and then just cut its eye open. Well, it's it's weird because the yeah the, the guardians you're talking about, I think they actually I think they actually represent the rot that has overtaken it, or at least have been affected by it. Because as soon as we kill them, it emerges from the rotted branches. Oh yeah. So like I think I think yeah I think the yeah like it's not just my theory. It's like others have adopted it too. I think I know Smotown has, and maybe a couple of others too. It's like those those sort of represent the rot that has overtaken. Clearly, they revered the dragon, mm-hmm. but they're consumed by the rot. And when we kill them, the dragon is able to burst forth from the rotted branches as a much healthier, you know, and more robust dragon. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I kind of thought that they summoned it or something somehow as their last dying wish or whatever. Well, you see, there are two. The, the brown ones are healthy, and the gray ones are are rotted. So I think what we what we do by killing them is just kind of cut the cancer out, mm-hmm. and then the healthy ones will turn and summon the dragon. Oh, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Actually, yeah. Because then now all that's left are the healthy ones, and now they're free to summon the dragon in all of its all of its glory. Hmm. You know. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And then in the boss fight, that that we, that weird looking green sword that the dragon wields. Yeah. Um, I think someone asked a question in your Discord about that ages ago. We were going to do this, but we couldn't. And you were asking, does anybody have any questions? Uh, that actually has a real-life analog. Way, way long time ago, like back in like the first century BC, a regional king in Korea gave as a gift to one of the Yamato rulers in Japan a seven-branched sword, which looks identical in terms of the shape to the sword that the Divine Dragon used. Mm-hmm. It, clearly, it was a ceremonial sword. It, it would have no use as combat. Um, the sword exists today. It's not on public display. It's uh, it's housed in a private place somewhere. It's a place called the I- the Isonokami Shrine in the Nara Prefecture in Japan. It, it's a, you can't get in to see it. It's private. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's you know it's almost two thousand years old, so they're keeping it private. But a replica is on public display at the War Memorial in Seoul, Korea. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at least according to Wikipedia. Which I consulted, of course. But yeah, it's um, it was a gift from this Korean ruler to this Japanese ruler, and it's got an inscription on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the inscription, some of the characters are indecipherable, but it's a two-sided inscription. And Wikipedia translates it. It's like, at noon on the 16th day of the 11th month, fourth year of Tai, the sword was made of 100 times hardened steel. Using the sword repels 100 enemy soldiers. It is sent to the Duke Lord. Like clearly, that was hyperbole. That little dinky sword's not going to repel a hundred soldiers. But that was, you know, unless it's wielded by guts. Exactly. Unless, oh, guts, yeah. Well, guts <laughs> from Berserk, yeah. <laughs> of course, he's got his big sword, but anything in his hands would be a deadly weapon. Yeah. <laughs> then the second side says, "Never before has there been such a blade." The Crown Prince of the King of but I can't. It's a Korean name. I don't know how to pronounce it. Who lives under August sounds? Ha- had this sword made for King of Wa in the hope that it might be passed on to later generations. And it was, like I said, it still exists today in Japan in private. Mm. So, so yeah, that was a gift from a Korean ruler to a Japanese ruler way back in like 300. Every indication is it was manufactured in like, well, there's some evidence it was manufactured somewhere in, in the, in the 300s. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, thousand, almost 2000 years ago. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, I was just saying that um, you actually reminded me that there were questions on Discord, and I should probably go through them. <laughs> Oops. Oh, sure, sure. Okay. Absolutely. So, Stormmocker says, how divine is the divine dragon? It's a god. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a spirit. It's a god. Uh, it's the holy dragon of the divine realm. So, it is a deity. Yes, yeah, so it's thoroughly divine. Okay. And uh, let me ask you, Nick, is it more or less divine than a really good tiramisu? I'd have to say less. Good. Okay. I'd have to say less. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a good tiramisu. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine made one, uh, made one once and there was so much alcohol in it and it was delicious. Oh, that's the best kind. Yeah. Marty is asking, will the divine dragon get rid of all the vines in my backyard? Um, I think it is the vines in your backyard. <laughs> so the divine dragon is going to have to move out of his backyard. Yeah, you, you're going to have to bring proceedings to evict the dragon from your backyard. <laughs> oh so how would you go about doing that? Okay, Nick, let's say the divine dragon is on your property and he's not leaving. What do you do? Uh, well, you uh, you'd have to bring <laughs> legally. You'd have to bring proceedings to evict him. Um, you probably couldn't throw him out by force because that'd be against the law. Uh, well, it, it depends. You can use you can use some force to expel a trespasser, but there's a fine line because it can't like cross the line into deadly force. So, in some states, you could try to use force to expel the dragon, but you know it's it's a god. So good luck with that. <laughs> And, and failing that, the, the best way to go about it would be just to bring a proceeding to evict it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, you know, again, good luck trying to actually get rid of it because it's a god. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, Nick. Um, it'll, it'll strike you down with lightning. <laughs> <laughs> um, Storm Mocker is asking, um, what is the relationship between lightning and Dragons. Is this something we see in uh, various Soulsborne hero games? Oh, well, it's like, it's interesting. In Dark Souls, lightning kills the dragons. Mm -hmm. But in Sekiro, the dragon is the source of the lightning, of the divine lightning, which is passed on to the Okami people and eventually Genichiro. And then Ishin, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so, I, so I think Miyazaki just wanted to kind of flip the script in Sekiro. It's like, okay. In Dark Souls, because of Seath the Scaleless, we know that lightning kills the dragons, especially when it's focused and sharp, you know, like in a spear or something, because um, it pierces their scales. But we're going to do the opposite. We got a dragon in Sekiro. We got one dragon, and we're just going to have it be the source of lightning. So it's like Gwyn is sort of, or no, not Gwyn. The divine dragon is sort of Gwyn and Seath together, <laughs> if they had a baby. <laughs> If Gwyn and Seath had a, somehow had a baby, you would get the Divine Dragon. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the, the Divine Dragon is pale, kind of like Seath is pale. Mm -hmm. Right. You know. But it will... That's right. Yeah, Gwyn is the Lord of Sunlight. And sun, but Sunlight is lightning in Dark Souls, pretty much. So it's like manifest as lightning, as Day points out. But yeah. So we, we got sort of the inverse of Dark Souls and Sekiro. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. The Peasant Corn says, um, I would like to know whether or not Nick thinks the Divine Dragon is a higher being or simply another cycle in the line of the Divine Blood. Hmm. Well, like I said, I think, um, 
Well, the, the Divine Dragon is... Well, if, if you read the description of the Divine the Dragons here, it says the Divine Dragon is eternal. And if you really kind of dissect the meaning of eternal, it's not so much that it had a beginning point in time and then continues to exist forever from that point in time. Um, if you study like world religions and when, you know, for example, in Christianity, God is eternal. It means God never had a beginning, nor really ever had an end. He always was, and he always will be. And I think that describes the divine dragon in this. It's eternal. It never really had a beginning, never really had an end. It just always was. So the divine dragon is the source of the, you know, the lineage of the, the, the divine progression, the lineage of the, the heritage. So it was always there, and it was the beginning of everything, you know, as far as, you know, the, the dragon's heritage is concerned. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think it's a step in a line. I think it, it's the beginning of the line, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Because it eternal means it always was, you know. Hmm. Thank you. Um, and Art Devonator Ark is asking, what's the divine dragon? Um. But we have we we just talked about the divine dragon for like forty minutes, so yeah, <laughs> I think we got it covered. Yeah, what is it? Yeah, as far as Secure is concerned, we've I think we've explained what it is. <laughs> um, and uh, this is um that was Blue Rose who um asked about the Moonlight Sword question as well as the uh, the sword, the Seven Branch Sword. So yeah, we. And then, and I think the connection to the Moonlight Sword and Dark Souls is it's green. It kind of glows green, you know. Do you think it's green? I think it's blue. I, I guess it depends. Like it, it may depend on your monitor. Like if it's like a if it's like a bluish green, then on some monitors it might appear blue. I on some it, it might appear green. Mind. I think we should ask the chat. Yeah. Do you guys think it's more blue or more green? Because if you read the uh, Sekiro wiki, it also makes that connection. It's like the the the, the subtle the color yeah. kind of reminds you of the Moonlight Sword. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's another connection to Seath too. I think that they drew at least some upon Seath when they were designing the Divine Dragon in terms of the appearance and stuff. I feel like it's a color that we don't have a name for. Just call it Color X. Color X. <laughs> 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 okay, uh, so it's interesting. Magpie says green. Devmer mm-hmm. says it's green. <laughs> Dick Cyan. Cyan. Coltoris says, I'm colorblind. <laughs> I think it's blue. <laughs> and then Dave says, ocean blue with green hues. Mm-hmm. Well, the ocean itself kind of has green hues in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So yeah, it just it depends on maybe your monitor or your perception, you know, because yeah, yeah. people perceive color in different ways, like subtle differences. You know? It's like what was that meme a few years ago? Is the dress uh, black and blue or gold and white or whatever? Remember? Some people would see it. Yeah, some people would see it as black and blue. Others see it as gold and white. Yeah, or whatever those colors were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, some people are going to see blue. Some are going to see green. And there's evidence of that in the chat. <laughs> Cool. Okay, so Jacob is asking, how many Sekiros could fit inside the Divine Dragon? Hmm. Well, by the size of it, I would say quite a few. I don't know. I feel like it would be like maybe five. Well, I mean, it's. I will assuming the Ever Blossom is not hollow. You'd have to hollow it out. So I'd say none. Assuming that the Ever Blossom is not hollow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> how about you know. we hollow out the dragon? And then we put a bunch of Sekiros in the blender, 
And then we mm-hmm. build the hollow dragon with the blended Sekiros. How many could you fit? Oh, at that point, it'd be a lot because, you know, the, like sometimes you'll, you'll hear the story of like you, you put a bunch of rocks in the jar, you think the jar is full, but then you pour sand in the jar and you can pour a lot of sand in there because there's space between the rocks. Then you think the jar is full, but then you pour water in there and there's water in between the spaces between the sand and the rocks. So if you liquefy a bunch of Sekiros, right. you're going to have a whole lot of them inside the dragon. Because it'll- <laughs> Excellent. I feel like we're having a very scientific podcast today. We are. We are. <laughs> okay. So I hope that answers your question, Jacob. Um, <laughs> uh, Princess Elsie is asking, is the idea of the divine dragon battle that it grants us an audience after curing it from dragon rot? And are the old dragons of the tree supposed to be its retainers or servants or something? I think that's the idea, but the, the, the gray ones have been corrupted, have sort of absorbed the corruption into themselves. And it's once, as soon as we kill them, the dragon breaks out of the... Hello? I, I, I my, my connection derped out again. Sorry about <laughs> that's okay. that. It's okay. We still have this recording, so it's all good. Excellent. So yeah, I th- uh, what was I talking about? <laughs> I can't remember what I was talking about. Think about the Securas in the blender. Oh, yeah, we got the Securas in a blend. Oh, that's comical, sort of. Oh, someone asked, like, when we fight the dragon, is that sort of like a weird audience with the dragon after we've set it free from the corruption? And, and then the, the old dragons of the tree. I, I, clearly, they revered the dragon just by the way they sort of... But like I said, there are the two classes. There are the healthy ones and the decayed ones. I think the... I think the um, the gray ones sort of represent the parts of the dragon that have been inflicted by corruption. Once we cut those out, the only, the healthy ones are left. They sort of turn and worship the dragon, and that's when it comes forth from the tree. So I think, yeah, they're its retainers, and some of them have sort of absorbed the corruption into themselves. We cut those out, the dragon comes back. Because, um, I mean, it's a god. You know, it makes sense it would have retainers, you know. It's true. And then, yeah, when we fight it... Um, I've, I've sort of thought a lot about what's going on because it, as soon as it sees us, it attacks us as if it knows we're there to take its tears and doesn't want to give them up. Or it could be like, you know, in Dark Souls, um, you fight Ornstein and Smo, and only then does, you know, big bosomed uh, Guinevere or whoever it is <laughs> deign to have an audience yeah. with you to give you the Lord vessel. Mm-hmm. It's like in, in Dark Souls, the gods don't want anything to do with you unless you're strong, if you're a human, you know, unless you're very strong. And so once you defeat Ornstein and Smo, then she'll have an audience with you. You know, I think it may, it may be a similar thing here mm-hmm. in that, you know, the dragon wants to kind of test your metal. I don't think we kill the dragon at the end of the boss fight. I don't think so either. We just like hurt it and hurt its feelings and hurt its eye. Yeah, we need the mortal blade to kind of cut underneath its eye to get its tears. Um, but I don't think we actually kill it. You know, the, the Lord description says it's eternal, but uh, you know, it's it's big. It's reptilian. That, that little cut underneath its eye is not going to kill it. <laughs> so we cut its eye. We take its tear. We need the mortal blade for that. But I, I, it may be that the dragon's just sort of testing us. You know, to see if we're worthy to take its tears. See if we can knock it down and stun it. Hmm. Um, or it could just be, you know, hey, dude, it's my tear. I'm not going to give it to you. Come get it. <laughs> it's true. It's their property, so. Yeah, it's like, it's my, it's my dang tear. You're not going to take it from me. <laughs> um, or it, it could, the reason, or the reason it attacks us may have something to do with the fact that, you know, Takeru took the branch and it's just kind of pissed. <laughs> <laughs> 
like, okay, where's my arm? Haha, <laughs> very yeah, where's, my, where's, my, where's my arm, dang it? Hey, you don't have an arm either. Did, did you steal my arm? Is that what happened? Oh, maybe he wanted your prosthetic. Oh, maybe he wants the prosthetic. Like, hey, I need an arm. It looks like you've got one. Come here. Give it to me. There we go. Uh, Jay, could you repeat that it woke up cranky? <laughs> you know, after all that time in corruption, you know. Yeah, it didn't have its coffee. Yeah, it didn't have its, you know, it didn't have its, that's it. That, that's it. It didn't have its coffee. It woke up, is cranky because it didn't have its coffee, and so it just wants to kill you as soon as it sees you. It's like an average person on a Monday. <laughs> and me every morning. <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay, Princess Beef is asking, why is the Divine Dragon using the Morian Blade? Oh well, I, I think. The, oh shoot! There's one thing I forgot to mention about yes. the the seven branch sword. Well, it's really, it looks like it has six branches, but the tip is considered to be the seventh branch. Oh. Um, and basically, that design is a Korean tree motif. I think it's meant to just emphasize the connection between the divine dragon and the ever blossom. Because mm-hmm. if you study Korean art, that's a tree motif. That that exact design is a tree motif in, in Korean art. That's cool. So yeah, it's it's meant to symbolize, I think, the connection between the divine dragon and the ever blossom tree. I mean, it, it, it it's it's referred to as the divine dra- as the holy dragon of the ever blossom tree or the dragon of the tree, you know. So it, it, there's the connection there. I think I just think the sword is meant to symbolize that. Thank you, Nick. Of course. Yeah, for those who don't know, it's the Dark Souls blade um, that we find with the. Uh, yeah, it kind of looks like it. It kind of also looks like the rooftops that we see in. Bloodborne type deal, mm, kind of yeah, with that yeah. little design, the, yeah, the kind of yeah. yeah. It, of course, we know we all know that from software doesn't you know reuse ideas or assets at all. No, never, never. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is unique. Everything is one hundred percent original. I'm surprised we didn't have a patches in Sekiro, man. <laughs> it's that. It's that uh, little that old lady, right? Oh, old lady. Oh, no, it's... Uh, the little what? angry dude that you find. The little rat uh, that helps you. Oh, yeah, Black Hat Badger. Black yeah. Hat Badger, he's the patches. <laughs> there you go. Because he's pretty helpful, actually, in Sekiro. Like, he sells you the uh, the umbrella, and in at least depending on what you do, he'll be the one to tell you how to get the snake heart and kill the snake, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a helpful guy. He is. You know, Mizuki guy, I was thinking the same thing, the bandit merchant. He's more like patches to me. Mm-hmm. Even though he doesn't really right, double cross you, but yeah. Like, yeah, the uh, the bandit merchant. I think he's more like Patches. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, go kill all these samurai for me. Oh man, you sure got me out of a jam. All right, well I'm not going to say anything here. I'll uh, meet me back at the uh, dilapidated temple. All right, cool. <laughs> okay, thank you. Of course. Princess Shook is asking, "What is the actual biology of the divine dragon? Is it actually part tree, part island, or something?" Well, yeah, we touched on this before, but I think the divine dragon itself is a spirit. It's a god. It's divine. Uh, so in that sense, it wouldn't have a strict biology. Mm-hmm. But its earthly counterpart is the Everblossom tree. So in, in many ways, the, the, the dragon is the Everblossom, and the Everblossom is the dragon. You know, it's, it's the, the dragon is its earthly representation. And so whatever happens, so each reflects the other. Like if the... If there's corruption in the earthly realm around the tree, the divine dragon is going to be mired in corruption, which we see, uh, and then vice versa. Because the ever blossom is the way the divine dragon expresses itself in the physical plane. So it's it's biology. So I guess to answer the question more literally, its biology on Earth is that of a tree. Oh. <laughs> you know? 
Actually, it's biologies that it's hollow and it's filled with a bunch of blended Securos. It's filled with a bunch of liquefied Securos. All right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. How could I overlook this? <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, of course. That's it for the questions. Do you have anything else to say that's really important about the Divine Dragon? Let me look over my notes, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. Yeah, just for a moment. Let's see. Yeah. Um, then we talked about the holy chapter of the return, like the Western Pure Land Buddhism stuff. Oh, an interesting thing to note, too, in, in Japanese, a lot of times dragons are, are represented as creatures of water. And, of course, Fountainhead, there's water everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so that, that's sort of another callback to Japanese mythology and the way they interpret dragons and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, oh, t- Takeru. Yeah. Um, we, we've talked about how the divine heir is immortal and the oath bound of the divine heir is immortal and all of that stuff. But we, we talked to, to Kuro. He says that Takeru died at some point. Um, strict, that, may, that may not be strictly true because we said that the divine heir is like a descendant of the divine dragon and we've seen how the divine dragon when we first encounter it it's wrapped up in these rotted tree branches right right well i saw a theory on youtube it wasn't smoketown it was someone else and i I thought it made a lot of sense you know as you're going through the mibu village there's like a a prominent tree where you can find a uh a healing gourd Mm -hmm. and in later playthroughs you'll find like a divine something or other divine grasp okay there's a theory that that is takeru that Takeru was on his way. That Takeru was on his way to the wedding cave through, you know, because the wedding cave is where we get to the divine room. Takeru was on his way to the wedding cave, but he couldn't quite. But he was, he was being overcome with corruption. The same corruption that's bound up in the dragon rot. The same corruption that's bound up the divine dragon, and he couldn't quite make it. And he turned into the tree before he could get to, before he could get to. Um, the wedding cave because you know it, it happened to the dragon it got bound up in all these rotted tree branches right until we come and destroy the uh the old dragons of the tree so if it could happen if it could happen to the divine dragon itself why could it happen to the divine heir so it may not be that takiru died it may just be that he was he got wrapped up in all these corrupt po- all, all these poisonous tree branches and became that tree you know, all of mibu village is mired in corruption you know mm-hmm. everybody's corrupted yeah. You know, nothing nothing is clean there. And so as Takeru and Tomoe are going through Mibu Village on their way to the wedding cave, when he was so close, he just collapsed and got wrapped up in all these corrupted tree branches. And that, that's where he remains to this day. Aww. So very sad. So I don't, it, yeah, it's, it's not that he died. It's just he became a rotted tree. <laughs> like the divine dragon did <laughs> the divine room of course. <laughs> it's, it's very sad as far as what happened to moe I, I don't really know whether she she shared the same fate or whether she just went off somewhere else yeah i'm not exactly sure would be nice if i had um, a dlc it would be nice if we had a dlc to, to retcon everything and explain <laughs> some of this stuff <laughs> to add maria I was just you know? thinking that that's what i was thinking like oh they'll go everything add maria I think it's rich, like transmitting thoughts into our mind. I know, right? <laughs> See, he's with us in spirit. Yeah, even though his internet isn't. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> which is sad. Yeah, Dave is asking: Is there a reason behind the dragons having humanoid faces? Um, 
Well, I think the uh, the Okami are kind of humanoid just because they're like just they're like offshoots from the Divine Dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it kind of makes sense that they would be smaller and have sort of humanoid features. Um, but the dragon itself, the way the dragon is depicted is pretty consistent with the way... It's sort of a toned-down version of the way dragons are typically depicted in Japanese mythology. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so with a face that you can tell has some expression to it, you know, that we might identify as, as human. So yeah, I just think that, that I think that's basically an, an, an aesthetic artistic thing that's sort basically consistent with uh, mm-hmm. the way dragons are depicted in Japanese mythology. Like these long, slender, serpentine things with discernible faces, you know. Hey, Luis. You're just in time for the end, Luis. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nick, for coming to the podcast yet again. Of course. Yeah, you're like our resident secure expert now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I stream, I stream a, run through, a full run-through it every week on the return ending, so hopefully I'd know something about it. <laughs> <laughs> and where could people uh, find your uh, your streaming? Uh, it, it's Twitch. I'll, I guess I'll type it in chat if that's okay. Yeah, it's uh, basically twitch.tv slash cinder with a Y underscore thief. Yeah, exactly. For the benefit of those listening, twitch.tv slash cinder with a Y underscore thief mm-hmm. and you also have a youtube channel where you post clips and it's the same thing uh youtube.com slash cinder with a y underscore thief. yeah it, it's whatever.com slash cinder underscore thief yeah, yeah. twitter youtube yeah. twitch yeah same thing okay well again thank you so much uh, hopefully rich's internet is better one day so maybe he'll join us in these awesome discussions That'd be lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. And thanks for coming, everyone. Really appreciate it. Uh, let us know how you like these live formats. Uh, if, if y'all like, maybe we'll do them more often. And yeah, thanks for coming, everyone. Later, guys. Bye.